Freakwide Vancouver pregame, postgame, every game presented by Bodog from Sports Odds to free casino games. Make a play at Bodog.net. Wadden and J-Pat here with you to wrap up the week as we got a little hockey action this morning, J-Pat. A couple of Canucks, uh, or a few Canucks on the ice uh, today. Mm. Actually, two for Canada, one for Latvia as well as we got news of the Canucks and their training camp. And uh, JT Miller, as we spoke about, trying to go for the U.S. Open. But we'll start where I began, and that is with the World Hockey Championship. Ethan Bear and Tyler Myers facing off uh, with Team Canada against Latvia. Archer Seelov's not the starter for Latvia, but it didn't take long before he got in the net. Five minutes in, he's in the goal. However, didn't really matter as the host team Latvia fall in Game 1 to Canada 6 Nothing to begin the tournament. Yeah, and a bit of a tough spot for Seelov. It's obviously a great opportunity, but uh, he starts the day as the backup, probably thinking that uh, he's got the day off. Obviously, if you're dressed, you got to be ready. But as he said, five minutes in, and it's two-zip for Canada, and the first goal, uh, man, that was brutal five-hole. That's... uh, I thought I it was Seelovs for a second. I was like, I'm, Ooh, I'm that's used tough. to watching NHL goaltending, and that was not NHL goaltending right through the wickets. Uh, and, and then Canada scores another one shortly thereafter. And so the hook comes out, and yeah, Arthur Seelovs with his Canuck pads and his Canuck mask, uh, you know, repping uh, the Canucks over in Latvia. And look, this is a big game for Latvia, not so much in the standings, but it's the tournament opener. They're one of the host sites. Uh, they've got Canada, the big hockey superpower. You know that uh, the fans in attendance were hoping for a better showing. And so it got off to a tough start. And that's where uh, Arthur Silovs gets thrown in. So, you know, end of the day, he gives up four of the six goals that Canada scores. Uh, but he doesn't take the loss because uh, Latvia didn't score. So uh, the starter, although he only played five minutes, uh, he gets saddled with uh, the decision in the hockey game. But I do wonder if this will change the dynamic. Like I don't know what the plan was moving forward, if they were going to split starts or whatever. But uh, it wasn't a great start for the other guy. So uh, I wonder if Artur Silovs has already worked his way up the Latvian depth chart. Whatever the case, uh, great opportunity, great experience for him, as we talked a fair bit about over the last week. I'm sure he would have liked to have seen more playoff action out in Abbotsford. That didn't happen for him. So this is a great way for him to extend his hockey season at the very least. And look, guy's 22 years old. All of these are learning opportunities for him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, to get to face Canada, if uh, you know, you're a young Latvian goaltender, Great experience, even though uh, the outcome wasn't they were what they were looking for. Uh, as for Tyler Myers and Ethan Bear, they both played played a, a fair bit, regular shifts. Uh, Tyler Myers took his customary penalty, as he did in the pre-tournament game as well. He's Tyler Myers. Uh, that's what happens. And Connor Garland had an assist, and good result for the Americans. I know yeah, that we Americans said that too. Yeah, yeah, that you know, going up against Finland, the other host site and the defending champs they got Miko Rantanen among others in their lineup and uh it was one I think Finland and then U.S. rallied with four unanswered goals so a 4-1 victory for Team USA good start to the tournament for them and as I said Connor Garland uh wearing the A Nick Benino the captain there and Connor Garland did figure in the scoring he had an assist on one of those U.S. goals so yeah the World Hockey Championship is off and running and we'll continue to monitor the progress of the Canuck players that are overseas representing their country as they push for the gold medal that won't be re- uh, awarded for, well, two full weeks. Uh, it is, it's not next weekend. It's the weekend after this. It's a bit of a marathon, uh, but the tournament is underway. It's a bit of a nice surprise, the World Hockey Championship. I think it does that every year, every spring. I'm like, oh, yeah, these games. Kind of like watching them. You know what I yeah, mean? Like I mean, it's- the, the 
preliminary round seems to take forever. Like true because there there are a lot of games that let's be honest uh, you don't care about. I don't care about. Um, when it gets down to single elimination, then yeah, I'm all in. Again, I'll continue to monitor the Canuck guys that are there and Team Canada certainly, but the preliminary round does seem to take an awfully long time to get down to the good stuff. The uh, the games that really mattered. When you watch Team USA as well, I found it hard to distinguish who was Rocco Grimaldi and who was Connor McGarland. <laughs> They're very similar out on the ice in terms of their stature, both right-handed shots as well. Uh, and a lot of speed, a lot of spins, of course. Uh, that was doesn't actually a Garland, pretty good game. Doesn't Garland have like three or four inches on him, though? Like Grimaldi is Grimaldo, Grimaldi is small. You're right. Yeah, yeah. And I, I maybe I'm uh, not giving Connor Garland his due in terms of his stature. Was that but... amazing? Have you seen that amazing <laughs> photo when Grimaldi was in, I think it was Columbus, and he was battling for a puck with Zidane Ochara? Yeah. It's just like, it doesn't even look like real. Like It looks like a Photoshop photo, but... No, it was game action between a guy that's like 5'5 five, five and another guy that's 6'9. Uh, it's incredible that, uh, you know, Grimaldi's the ultimate survivor in hockey mm-hmm. at that size. Uh, and not that Garland's got a ton of size on him and he's had to battle the same sorts of things, but Rocco Grimaldi is, by hockey standards, uh, tiny. And yet here he is playing in the NHL at times, representing the U.S. Like, good on the guy. I, I thought the uh, the U.S. Finland game was a decent game, really. Uh, the United States were really good. Casey DeSmith was good uh, in goal for the United States as well. And, and Finland had its chances. Uh, you're right about Rantanen. Uh, Capococco was going really well uh, in this game, too. So a good little start to the tournament. Canada, of course, with the big win over uh, Latvia. And you talked about the pads there for Archer Seelovs. That is such a pet peeve for me. I hate <laughs> that stuff so much. The pads just clashing with that. What is it, maroon that uh, yeah. Latvia wears? And don't get me wrong. Like, uh, there's nice-looking equipment that he has, but it just... Can you get some covers for him? He didn't have a mask. Like the people in Latvia couldn't get a mask together for Seelofs. Anyway, Canada kicking off the tournament with a 6 nothing win. And uh, by the way, too, goal from a defenseman in that game, Mackenzie Weger. Yes. With a goal and assist. So yeah, I know how much he nice snapshot. Uh, Seelofs couldn't see it. Can't yeah. stop what you can't see. So uh, look, there were a bunch of, we'll talk NHL playoffs a little later. More goals from defensemen last night. So. Yeah, it's my thing, man. It's my jam. I'm, I'm yeah. loving it. I'm, no, I'm loving, loving it the too. offense from the defense. And it's a it's a part of the Canes' offense too, right? It's a big part of the Canes' offense. But yeah, we'll get to playoff talk a little bit later on. Uh, let's pivot to the Canucks training camp announced yesterday. This year's training camp 23-24 season starts September twenty first through to the twenty fifth in Victoria. And uh, I saw you tweeting about it. You're quite excited about that. Yeah, they're taking their training camp overseas. Sort of. Well, it's a ferry right away. Um, look, they were there in 2019. Uh, last year was Whistler. The year before that was Abbotsford. Uh, 2020 was uh, the middle of the pandemic. That's the last time they had a, a training camp at Rogers Arena. So they've been to the provincial capital before. In fact, they've been there a bunch. They used to go to Victoria all the time, way back when. But uh, in terms of the new rink over there, the Save on Foods Memorial Center, the 2019 camp, uh, I think it was a success. Like that's a, it's a great junior hockey facility, home of the Victoria Royals. You know, the Canucks can set up shop there. Um, this year, a couple of things that jumped off the release for me. One is five days of on ice because the last couple of years, Travis Green's final camp in Abbotsford last year in Whistler with Bruce Boudreau, three days on the ice. And it just doesn't feel like enough. Like you're in, you're out and then you're playing preseason games. And I've always thought that camp should be a a little bit longer and maybe knock a preseason game or two 
off the schedule. We haven't seen the preseason schedule, so we don't know. We don't know if they're going to have a game in Victoria. They did the last time in 2019. They broke camp and they uh, hosted the Calgary Flames in a split squad game over there. That camp, Brock Besser was without a contract, and so he was not there. And in fact, he came to terms with the hockey club. I remember Jim Benning doing media in the first intermission of that preseason game against the Flames. So Besser did get a deal done at the tail end of camp, missed camp, but got back in time for some preseason action and then was ready to go for the start of the season. Uh, The other thing that jumped out at me, I mean, 2019, that was the first training camp for JT Miller as a Canuck. It was the first training camp for Tyler Myers as a member of the Vancouver Canucks. And on a bit of a sad note, it was the first training camp without botch who had passed away earlier that year. And so it did seem odd for, you know, the assembled hockey media to gather really for the first time after the off season. And there was no botch. So there was a big hole there. Um, but Victoria, it's a great setup. You got the Empress hotel. Like I think uh, the Canucks stayed at the Empress last time. They'd probably do it again. Uh, just a central location and in the inner Harbor there. You got uh, restaurants and, you know, whatever they need. Uh, it's all right there within walking distance. And then again, uh, you know, a great junior hockey facility. So, yeah, um, you know, I just like the fact that we're getting some of these announcements now and you can start to think ahead. And the, the, the five days on ice, I think, is important for a coach that's all about structure and standards and habits and everything else. Like three days, probably not enough. This is Rick Tockett's first training camp, official training camp. I mean, some people looked at the 36 games that he coached as sort of a, a pre-training <laughs> camp. Yeah. So he does have a jump on things, but this is his first camp. This is, you know, the first time that he's going to get to come in and really lay down the law for uh, his group. And of course, there'll be some new faces and a guy like Philip Heronik, this will be his first go round as a member of the Vancouver Canucks, you know, starting from the start of a season, even though he got the four games in after the trade. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just think, you know, let's see what the offseason brings in terms of personnel. But uh, yeah, we know that the Vancouver Canucks are headed to Victoria and uh, yeah, it'll be a good, uh, I'm sure they'll put on a good show. Victoria will do it upright. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I wrote a piece of the hockey news just because as I was going through the fact that the Canucks were in Whistler last year at Abbotsford the year before, and they've moved it around. I've covered training camps in Kamloops. I went to Vernon one year, late in Mark Crawford's tenure as the head coach. Uh, they went up to Prince George uh, back in 2015, sort of a nod to Dan Hamhuis, who's from Smithers and representing Northern BC. Uh, that's but it feels like a, it feels like a, a massive omission that they the Vancouver Canucks have never held a training camp in Kelowna. Yeah, when you think of you know population centers in the province, you just think about recreational opportunities. You think of hockey hotbeds and how many NHLers spend their summer months in Kelowna, and of course the Rockets and Prospera Center right downtown. Uh, it, it I don't know that just seems odd to me that in fifty plus years somewhere along the line. And and I wrote a piece of the hockey news and I had people push back and they're like, ah, that rink's kind of is starting to show its age now. Okay, fair enough. Guess what? It was once shiny and new and they didn't hold the training camp there. So, you know, for whatever reason, and I don't know what the reason is, but the Vancouver Canucks have moved their training camp all over the province, but uh, they have never actually set up in Kelowna, but they did hold, they played a preseason game in the tournament 2018 against Arizona. I was there. Uh, you know, so it's not like they've completely overlooked the city of Kelowna, but they just never have set up as a training camp base. Of course, they do have young stars down the highway in Penticton, and that may be some of it that, you know, they want to spread the love around the province. But uh, I don't know. I just still find it a little odd that uh, when we think of 
you know, summer months and places to go. Like Kelowna is at the top of most people's list, but it clearly hasn't been at the top of the Vancouver Canucks list for places to take training camp. And Prince George, that, that that's an odd choice. What's the facility up in, in Prince George like? Well, great. I mean, the Cougars, uh, you know, it's a 6,500 seat. Uh, it was built in the uh, mid-90s, so sort of around the same time as uh, the rink in Kelowna came on board. Um, and, and again, Dan Hamhus, you know, I think they were, this was one of Trevor Linden's um, sort of plans, I think, was to try to move them around the province. You're right. It's an undertaking. you got to fly uh, your players and all the gear and everything else, uh, everything you need for a training camp, you know, at least when it's Whistler or Abbotsford or even on a ferry, you can drive your stuff there. Mm-hmm. Prince George, you know, they they probably want and done. I think it'll be a while before they yeah. look to go back there. I know people have said, what about Cranbrook? I kind of thought Travis Green from Castlegar. I thought if ever there was a time that they would take a training camp to the Kootenays, it would be when your head coach was a guy from the Kootenays, but that didn't happen. And, you know, I'm not saying it won't ever happen. Uh, I thought it was interesting on the release that the Canucks put out yesterday. Uh, I didn't even recognize it. I've covered this team for 20-some-odd years. In their really early years, of, like their infancy, they used to hold training camp in Calgary and Medicine Hat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, of course, they went to Stockholm in the year 2000, sort of to usher in the, um, you know, the Sedins had been drafted in 1999 and, and spent that extra year over in Sweden. And then training camp in the year 2000 was sort of the launch of the Sedin era of hockey uh, in Vancouver. So uh, they've gone far afield as far as Stockholm, but uh, not Kelowna. Yeah, I saw some people reaching out as well, wondering if the the training camp is open to the public. I mean, mm-hmm. we were at training camp this year in, in Whistler and everything was open there. So I'd assume that. Yeah, the they'll, same, release, but... they'll release more details yeah. and sort of, you know, they do a fan festival or fan fair and those types of things. They'll have details on all of that. And again, uh, we haven't seen the exhibition schedule but I will not be shocked if uh, they tie that into the end of training camp as well. So uh, maybe they get a, another NHL preseason game uh, over on the island. Uh, we talked about this yesterday, but JT Miller is trying to qualify for the U.S. Open. And uh, we saw that Kevin Woodley, of course, our buddy from Ingoal Magazine, or, uh, writes for NHL.com as well. He caught up to Miller and got some quotes from him. Uh, this is the second time that he's actually qu- tried to qualify for the U.S. Open. He tried to last year as well. But last year was a little bit different for him. Of course, the NHL season uh, ended a little bit later. And according to Miller, like, he didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare for this. Shot a 7 over 77 last year. Mm-hmm. Now, a different course. Yep. He's, he might be familiar because it's in his home state still. So I, I, I don't know uh, if he knows the course that he's playing this year. But got me thinking, you know. What do you think JT's going to shoot on Monday? Yeah, this is tough because I don't know anything about the golf course that they're playing this time around. It's a Jack Nicklaus track, um, but I'm sure, you know, the USGA is not taking their uh, qualifying to, you know, goat ranches. I'm sure it's a really nice golf club, uh, but I don't know, you know, how difficult or or easy for guys at that level. Uh, And I don't know where his game is. You're right. Like, he had a little bit more tune-up time, but he's only been... Like the season's only been over for a month, and for him to pack up his home here with his wife and kids and get back to uh, the Pittsburgh area, like I have no idea how much practice time he has, how much he's devoted. So you know, we're coming in blind here when you ask that question. But you know, in Woodley's article, uh, he said his handicap what is it minus point six or something like better than yeah. scratch. Yeah. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. 
I'm going to say he went through it last year. So, you know, he kind of knows what he's getting himself into. And look, he's putting himself out there, right? Like if he absolutely balloons, uh, he's opening himself to ridicule. And people are going to, you know, he shouldn't be playing that much golf. He should be training for hockey and all that kind of stuff. Like let the guy go and, and good on him. Let's see where this goes. I'm going to say JT Miller shoots 74. Oh, all right. So Jeff's got him down at 74. Hmm. I was kind of thinking somewhere around there. So I am going to price is right. You, I'm going to go below it though. I'm going to go 73 Oh, all right. for JT Miller. Now, what is it? Five guys, I believe that qualify. Don't know four. if that'll He's be 78 guys in the field. And four, yeah. Uh, There's some advanced too, though, sectional there? qualifying. And again, if yeah. people didn't catch, like if he's one of those four, he's not punching his ticket to the U.S. Open. He's punching his ticket to an even tougher test, which is sectional qualifying, and that'll take place uh, in about a month's time. And that's 36 holes on the same day. This is an 18-hole local qualifier. Uh, one thing I did find out, and I tweeted this out because I thought this was pretty funny. There's 78 guys in the field. Three of them are Millers, and more than that, like, what are the chances there's a J Miller, there's a T Miller, (laughs) and and of course there's, like, why, I don't know who put them in groups, they play in groups of three, like, where's the sense of humor, put the three Millers together, and they can spend the day, you're J Miller, and T Miller, and I'm J T Miller, Um, yeah, there's Joey Miller, there's Thomas Miller, and then uh, there's Jonathan Tanner. Miller. And I guess uh, for people that know their golf, like JT Miller, his first name is Jonathan, but you you wouldn't want to be Johnny Miller because there's already been a Johnny Miller who's... Uh, that is correct. Pretty good, that guy. Yeah. Well, exactly. you go to the uh, U.S. Open qualifiers in uh, Pennsylvania there and meet the Millers. Hey, I like that. We'll, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll chart this and we'll see where it goes. And uh, again, I mean, I wish him well. I'd be a fascinating story if he could get through local qualifying. So uh, we'll be charting that uh, early next week. If you had to guess, and this is pure speculation, what's the best club in his bag, you think? My first blush would say, like, we see him sort of with the motor running hot and playing with a little bit of hockey rage at times. Like, I could see him you know, just teeing it up and letting it fly with the driver. But you don't put up a 99-point season without having hands and some finesse as yeah. well. And a lot of guys can drive big. It's, you know what I mean? Right. It's how do you score afterwards, Yeah, and, right? and so to you're right. Like, tons of guys, and especially pro athletes, they yeah. could all crush it. But if his handicap is as low as it is, yeah. clearly this guy's got game. I'm going to say it's wedge game. I, yeah, I don't too. know. Yeah. I don't know. Like, you're right. I've not played with JT Miller. Uh, I know people were posting some fun videos that uh, he and Zach McEwen and I think some others gone to a driving range one time out on a road trip uh, and they were just screwing around. Uh, So I've never seen JT play, but I'm going to say if you're a stick like that um, and can post scores like that, you've got a short game and it's all about scoring club. So yeah, I I don't know. My guess would be his wedge play. I agree with that. I think 150 in, he is probably money. And his dad is uh, caddying for him as well. So hopefully oh, his dad's cool. a calming influence. And uh, <laughs> otherwise, he might get the call and Delia treatment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. 
The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. And joining us now, as he does each and every Friday, Patrick Johnston, who is indoors this week. Uh, yeah, outdoors in the rain. No, like you. no rain, no sun. <laughs> Just but of course, old. yeah, on a day like today, like you should be outside. It's we gorgeous out there. Yes, we should. Well, we should be I am going to California patio. next week, so I can't wow. make the right choice. Look at that. PJ, traveling man. Uh, speaking of traveling, the uh, Canucks are heading to Victoria for their training camp. Uh, mm. Jeff was excited about that. Does that excite you as well? It should, because we carpooled home from Victoria the last time. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> Did, is, that, is that how I got home? Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, well, the plan, yeah, I think originally the plan was, uh, well, I got to ride over with our, reti- our retired, now retired photographer, Jerry Carmen, And uh, I think, yeah, I think my plan had been I was going to just take the bus. But oh, uh, good. I've done it. Saved I've you. done it. I've done it. No, it's fine. Uh, we've all done it. But as we hey, get older. You know what you do? You know what you do, Andrew? You listen mm. to Rinkwide. Of course, of course. Just start from uh, episode number one and just keep going all the way. 360-something episodes. That's what I'll I'll do next year. So just before I move on, because this is my memory of we were carpooling from downtown Victoria to the ferry. And I can't remember how it came up, but you and your wife were parents of one at the time. And I seem to recall asking just if it was conversation, whatever, if, if you guys were thinking of having another child and you said, well, as a matter of fact, and you reached through your phone and I didn't know, like, I thought, oh my God, what's Patrick going to show me? Like he and his wife practicing to have another, like, <laughs> what, what are you doing here? Anyways, you had, uh, ultrasound, the ultrasound. Oh, yes. wow. <laughs> oh, look at that. Well, and I'll- I was relieved that it was just the ultrasound and that's all you were me. Jeff, I would never do anything like that to you. Oh boy. Holy. Didn't know we yeah, were going to go no. there today. Well, you know, you were right. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course we were stuck sitting in, uh, sitting in, uh, in Arizona when I showed you a nervous ultrasound, which turned that's out to be right. nothing. Yes. But uh, look at you. Look at you. Yes. You and Memories. my family. Yeah. <laughs> Just like memories Amazing. of Jake Vertanen skating with the C group that's in you know what? the last that's time. Right. The, oh, you know what? I was, um, I can't even remember what I was looking for, but it was one of those ones where you go randomly searching for old tweets. And I came across video that I shot of Jake doing his laps. Right. You know, and, which of course was the same training camp that all you levy just like literally what took forever to get off the ice, looking like he had the stiffest knee in the world. And I had to turn to a certain sports net contributor and looked at him and he looked at me and I'm like, what did you see, Ian? And he confirmed that he saw the same thing in me, which is a guy that did not look fit. And that oh. was one of many twists and turns in the all you love experience. Not yeah, interesting. At least he didn't wind up in the corner yes. uh, flat on his face like oh, Gabbitsford a couple of years afterwards. That is going to get memed forever. forever. If I ever <laughs> see Travis Green again, like in person, I will say, what we, what did you think when you yeah. saw that and see what his act, just to get the reaction on his face. 
because he won't give you an answer, but you know, you know, the, well, I mean, he's probably listening to Rick White right now. So of course he is. Know. Yes, of course he is. Hey, uh, were you surprised? I guess you weren't surprised because we do look at the numbers often when it comes to the Vancouver Canucks. But just to see that on the page when it got released by Puckpedia for next year's salary cap <laughs> and the fact that the Canucks are the only team in the NHL that has a negative cap balance right now. I mean, that's just mind-blowing, right? Well, I mean, I wrote a thing a little bit about I didn't hype it up, but I wrote a thing about up, I don't know, in March or something. And so, of course, joked with Rob Williams because Rob wrote literally that angle. And it was pointed out that I had missed that point, which was that they are the only team. And that, that is, it's so standout. I mean, I, like I said, I knew the fact was there. I knew they were capped out. I know they're going to have to do, in fact, they're over the cap. They couldn't actually start the season with the current roster they yeah. have. Yeah. Um, you know, after all this, after, you know, three, let's not forget three and a half seasons with Michael Furlan on LTIR. Right, we're just now coming out of that. They're coming out of the dead money to Vertanen to Holtby, you know, all these things they've been juggling through the air forever, and they're still not out of it. They've actually now created. They this is now on the current group, and you know, fine, I guess they had to make some decisions on guys, but but I really think in the end, the fact they couldn't, maybe they should have pulled the trigger. I mean, Connor Garland was great, and he was a great addition last year, and he pulled it together this year, but. You know, he's at the World Championships, good for him. And, you know, he was, you know, he's been a fun, fun little player. But, like, I think, you know, there, it was clear to me they had a chance to maybe move on from last year and they didn't, you know, the the, the lingering on Miller as long as they did. Uh, in the end, moving on from Horvat, I mean, they were going to have to move on from someone, but also just being stuck. You know, I get, I guess, I get that they're sort of stuck. It's not their fault. They have Myers and OEL, but, you know, they've got to deal with something there. And, and, you know, clearly they're going to move, they're going to carry on with OEL. It's in all the rhetoric. And certainly the belief is that he can't certainly be as bad as he was this year, but it's just such, you look at that trade now and, and, you know, even the rationale with, Hey, you know, they owe Travis green something. They needed to get him a new roster. They needed to get a new lineup after the colossal failure that was 2020, 21. And, and, and just, building a real roster again but it just all goes back to this endless sort of throwing darts seeing what happens and you know you can't do that in a cap world you can't you know the the fatal error was that they just thought the cap you know the jim bang era they thought the cap was going to go up forever you know i mean i'm no one could anticipate a global pandemic sure but just to assume that you're just going to give them free money year after year um that would be the only way that you'd be out of these problems it was just foolhardy and that trade in the end we looked at, we knew at the time it was going to need a lot to really make sense. And it just, it's almost nothing but egg on their face at this point, that, that era of management anyway. Right. The no plan plan. And, you know, we're, we're seeing it here in the first couple of rounds of the playoffs, this idea with Florida and Seattle about just get in and you've got a chance and whatever. But I, I saw that you wrote and sort of yeah. refuted that. Uh, what did you come up with that? Uh, nobody outside the top 10 in the league standings has won the Stanley cup in the last decade. Yeah. You look at it, right? Like in the end, you need to be in the top of the standings. You don't fit for, for the most part, winning the, winning the president's trophy has proven to be a bad thing. Um, That it's not a case of being too good. It's just these things. This is, this is why the playoffs exist. I mean, this is why they play March madness is why it's so popular. You know, the, the truth is you look at March madness. The truth is 60, the 16 team, the 15 team, the teams that you love to see pull the upsets, 
they they win a you know they get to the they get to the you know lead eight maybe but sweet 16 is usually where it runs out and and this is the same story here like yes okay uh seattle is a great story but it does look like they're hitting the wall against a very yeah. solid very veteran team in the dallas stars a team that less i mean yes it was the bubble but let's not forget has played in the stanley cup final right like this has been a team that's been very good for a very long time um you know i think about they're one of those games i mean as as wild as the connects record was this season they are one of those games where i just since i've started in this job five years ago you just knew that was going to be a tough 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 game that this is a team that has big strong guys who skate hard who make it difficult on you they're not a spectacular team to watch but you know they're like tyler Senge. they get everything right they do it right and they're relentless in what they do um and you know they were a top team and they were top team in the western conference right like they weren't first but they were up there you know vegas vegas and edmonton one and two right um, you look at the East, okay, Florida, but like, what's the context of Florida? They won the president's right. trophy last year, yeah. you know, and I, I was trying to sit there and figure out, okay, you look at all the numbers, they outscored, you know, they weren't an amazing defensive team, but they were a top offensive team. Um, and, and you look at all the numbers and they're really, their finish is the outlier. It's not, that's the only thing that doesn't make any sense. They only had 92 points, which is just absolutely baffling. And, you know, I put it to, I put it to a couple people and one came, you know, one person basically said, well, I don't, I, I don't believe in the coach. And I don't believe in the defense. And the other guy said, well, I think they just scored their goals in the wrong order, <laughs> which is, you know, <laughs> happens sometimes, right? You know, you get a bunch of blowout wins early or whatever, or, you know, blowout losses and, you know, they were, they were a very confusing team through a lot of the regular season. And, you know, it's no, I mean, I think it's still a shock they beat Boston. Boston completely fell apart. Uh, but I don't think it's a shock given how sort of strong they really are. I think they're closer closer to the Toronto Maple Leafs than they were than than you know than anything. So it's not a shock to me that they're up in this series. I mean, they could still blow it. If if ever there was a team that's going to come back from what they have to come back from, it could be the Leafs. Um, but th- you know, there you go. And 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 look at Carolina. <laughs> like they're a, they're an outstanding team. This is not a fluke team. New Jersey's not a fluke team. Um, yes, upsets happen from time to time in the first round, and we saw at least one, depending on how you want to count it, one or two this year. Um, but you know, let's let's get real. I mean, Seattle was a hundred point team, right? That's not just sneaking in, right? 90, 94, 95 usually is the bar. We do see teams, you know, they get in with 92, 92 points. But as a general rule, you need 94, 95 points. There's nobody stumbling into the playoffs here and getting all the way to the final. That just doesn't happen. I was just thinking about this today and just about the playoffs and just how hard everybody plays and just sort of looking at the Canucks roster. And I know we sort of talked about guys that we thought could sort of be playoff performers on this team. Mm-hmm. I wonder who couldn't be, though. Like, I look at Connor Garland and I wonder how a player like that would survive in, when the playoffs sort of ratchet up. Well, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, like... People were ripping on Bo Horvat for his performance in, in New York, but do people not remember he scored ten goals in seventeen games in the bubble? You know, a, a place that was sort of as a men- big a mental challenge as it could be. Um, I'm I'm always hesitant on stuff like that. I think I think in the end, good players do well. Um, certainly, big strong helps. Like there's no doubt about that. But big strong skilled helps. You know, but skill in the end. Gar Garland is out of has has been a, a, a underdog player his entire career. You know, here's a guy that mo- scouts were writing off because they thought he couldn't skate in junior. Uh, was a high scoring prolific player in junior. He's become a 
solid, you know, second line winger in the NHL. Um, not a spectacular skater still, but does enough, does well. He's a guy that he makes your team better. You know, he helps your team. He helps your team win. And, you know, Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux, as he said, he's a guy that drags your team into the fight. And I think he still is. I think he's still that player. I think in the end, it's about how you assemble it and how you put it all together. We thought this team should be a playoff team this year. It wasn't. They stumbled out of the gate, dug too deep a hole, never pulled themselves back in. And maybe they will be a team next year. They should be. Certainly the manager, you know, the GM says they have to be. Um, and, and certainly the coach thinks they should be. So we'll see. But, I, you know, Connor Garland, to me, is a player that helps your team and good things happen when he's in the ice, and that's what wins you hockey games. Can he forecheck hard enough to play in the <laughs> Stanley Cup playoffs? No, I just because that's what I see. Like, I, I look at a series like Toronto and sure. Florida, and I just look at how that forecheck just completely gives them fits, and they're such mm. a high-skilled team that they can't play that game, really, that mm. Florida is playing, and we'll see what happens. Maybe they can get themselves out of this hole, but I just sort of look at that style of play, and, you know, a team like the Dallas Stars as well. Like, they're just on you all the time. Vegas is like that as well. Seattle, uh, I, I wonder yeah. when I look at this, this sort of construction, some of the players on this Canucks team, you know, whether they can play that hard nose style that's required uh, come playoff time. I, you know, I mean, I think in the end, I mean, it, it comes down to, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, a lot of that's, I, I would say, Andrew, I think you're allowing your emotions to get ahead of you a little bit. You're maybe feeling a little bit about some of the stars on the team that I know that you try to. No, talk, but the uh, thing is, I see but, this Florida team that isn't like, they're not as skilled as the Leafs. They're not. But yeah. they're forechecked so hard that they put so much pressure on the Leafs' defense, and then you'd think that Toronto right. would sort of adapt to that and try to do what they're doing, and Toronto can't do it. They don't have sure. the players. Sure. I mean, I think in the end, what you've identified is that you just need to be a hard, aggressive team. Sure. And and you know what? I, I, I would say I think I've seen enough from Connor Garland that he is that, but, you know... It, it, <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, I, I, I would argue that I think he should be. We, we won't know until he actually gets in the playoffs, you know. Um, but I, I don't. When I say, why did the Canucks lose this season? I don't find myself going, they lost because Connor Garland didn't forecheck enough. You know, I find myself going because they couldn't break the puck out enough. They didn't. Yeah. They had too many problems early in the season. And, you know, again, that point that we've made, you know, I think I've made more than once. And I think we made it here, which is that the, the, the stark contrast in performance between you know, when they had OEL in the lineup, they had, you know, likes of Luke Shen. I mean, Luke Shen could make a breakout pass. I don't think it was a huge problem, but it was sort of that collective of problems that they were dealing with. And then they bring in Wolanin and Brisebois and Juleson and three guys who basically are AHLers. Um, and all three of them, you know, in, in the contrast anyway, looked a lot better at it. The Canucks started breaking the puck out better. That their, their form did improve with, in theory, lesser players in the lineup. Um, I mean, I, that that to me was the story. That at the end of the day, this was a team that was 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 leaning on guys that just weren't up to it, and they certainly weren't up to it the way they needed to play. I mean, Luke Shen's having a fantastic playoff, so you know, I, I you know, I hesitate to say that he's he was a he was actually a problem here. I don't think he was a problem here. I was never going to say that, but but you know, the the change in skill set of players that they had before and after the trade deadline to me tells so much of the story and that at the end of the day it's what you do with the puck and you know four checking great but like carolina keeps the puck more than they dump that's true yeah. you know like the thing is is how good are you carrying the puck at the ice you give up the puck that's a turnover 
right? Like you want to keep control of the puck and more than ever in this league, the, the way, you know, you look at turnovers, you look at how quickly goals happen off turnovers. So that's where the scoring happens. And if you can control it, and, you know, you hold the puck, it keeps the other team from having a chance to do that. And Garland's pretty good at that. And I think you made the point uh, earlier there, like, wouldn't it be nice if we had a baseline rather than just floating these questions? If, you know, rather than having to draw on our memories of the bubble that seems like a lifetime ago. And I don't want to discount what Patterson and Hughes and some of those other guys did. And you mentioned Horvat. I mean, they performed. Yeah. in that environment, yeah. but that's the only time that those guys have been to the playoffs, and it's so, you know, overdue, and, yeah. you know, we, we, rather than, you know, dealing in hypothetics here, it would just be so nice if we had a baseline for not just Connor Garland, but a lot of these guys, Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, just even one round of playoff hockey as members of the Vancouver Canucks, but uh, hasn't happened yet, yeah. so uh, we'll see uh, yeah. Yeah. when they get another chance next year, I suppose. <laughs> That's why we're here. Yeah, that's why we're here. <laughs> and we'll recap every single game here on Rinkwide Vancouver because that's what we do. Pre-game, post-game. Every game. Every game. Every Friday we have Patrick Johnson with us. So thank you for joining. And enjoy that sunshine today. Get outside, boys. Oh, well, absolutely. Can't wait to finish my work day here. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place. Kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one. Playoff football, BC Place. The Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them. The Dome will be rocking. Should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com. And check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Rinkwide Vancouver is presented by Bodog, Canada's home for casino games and sports odds where everybody goes to play. And uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs are playing right now. And the Carolina Hurricanes are going to continue to play as they punch their ticket to the conference final. 3-2 OT win. They win the series 4-1. to is that the one series that we did? No, we differed on the Dallas-Seattle. We both took New Jersey to win that series. We both were wrong in that one. But honestly, I think I said it yesterday on the show, Like, it feels to me like the Carolina Hurricanes are the favorite right now for the Stanley Cup. I thought we were going to get a little Scorpions from you. Maybe a little... Here I am. Thank you. All right. Okay, that's enough. Uh, I'm kind of rolling up in a ball over here in the corner because my round two predictions suck. Uh, I had the Devils. I had the Leafs. I had the Oilers. They did yet. No, and, and, and the Oilers, I mean, it's down to a best of three. We'll see what happens there. Uh, I did take the Stars, though. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. There's uh, still some ground to cover. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Carolina in overtime, uh, dramatic fashion at home. And I think what I like most about that is that they're through in five. And let's see where that Leafs Florida series goes. But we know Florida, you know, seven against Boston, overtime in seven. Uh, Toronto got past Tampa, but that was an emotional series for them. And now if they come back, uh, they're going to expend a ton of energy. So, you know, for Carolina, uh, there was some talk that Tar- Taravainen is getting healthier and that may be able to make an appearance in the next round. Uh, you know, so you go deep in the playoffs. So that's one of the beauties. You keep playing. It's time for some of your injured guys to heal up. Uh, Stretchnikov's done. He's not coming back. And Pacioretty sort of never was, but uh, they would welcome uh, Turbo, as they call him, Taro, Taro Vinen, uh back to the lineup. It's just, it's hard not to like that team. Like from the front office and the way they go about their business to the coach of Rod Brindamore and his coaching staff. And then like, there's no pricks on that team either. Like it's just a bunch of guys that show up, play hard, produce, 
And as a result, they're halfway there. They're eight wins in and eight to go. So we've said it, and I think the hockey world has said it. Like the Devils look like they've just kind of kicked open their window of contention for the yeah. next bunch of years. No shame in losing to Carolina. Carolina was the second best team in the regular season. Like people don't talk about that, but uh, Boston ran away and hid from the field. But the second best team by points was the Carolina Hurricanes. So we probably shouldn't be surprised that uh, they are where they are. And yeah, more defenseman goals. So good on yes. them. Two defenseman goals last night. Uh, Slavin and Burns getting theirs. And then in the other game, Adam Larson uh, had one. For- yes. Yeah, so there you go. The, uh, the stars t- taking down the Kraken uh, five to two. Rupe Hintz, like what is going on here? 18 points in the playoffs, tied for the playoff lead uh, with Leon Dreisaitl. One more game played. Of course, Dreisaitl will probably have a ridiculous night tonight, as he always does. But Rupe Hints, I, I was just taking a look at him, and in the last couple of years, like he's really emerged, yep. you know, 70-point uh, guy, like 30-plus goals. But I, if you remember, like he sort of got onto the uh, radar in the playoffs, right? And it just seems to be that kind of player. Like the playoffs really, he really thrives when the, when the games matter the most. Yeah, and I think part of it, you know, a product of Rick Bonus's system uh, before they made the coaching change, and with all due respect to Rick Bonus, uh, he had a system that worked. They got to the Stanley Cup final in the bubble. Um, and I think that was sort of the coming out party for Rope Hins. Yeah. And maybe, you know, he played 25 games that year. He had 13 points, so he didn't blow anybody away necessarily, a half a point a game. But... You know, I always think that there was a bit of an asterisk with the bubble and, you know, could we take it seriously? Was it legit? Uh, Well, clearly he was. And, you know, and then he backed up uh, a shortened season the next year, better than a point a game guy. And from there, I mean, the last two years, 72 and 75 points, like nothing to sneeze at. And then, as we said, 18 points in 11 playoff games right now and has had a couple of performances where, you know, flat out the best player on the ice. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, I saw some quotes from Pete DeBoer just talking about, uh, the fact that the hockey world should wake up to this guy and that, uh, you know, he can command sort of the attention of, um, the opponents just, I mean, I think everybody knows who he is now, certainly the Seattle Kraken do. And I'm sure if, uh, you know, you ask the Minnesota Wild in the first round, they pretty good idea of who he is as well. Uh, you know, 6'3", 215, like he's a big body and... He uses his size effectively, but he's got good speed, 26. So he's, you know, just kind of coming into the prime of his career. Yeah, I mean, this guy's going to be a force. And and that team, just the way that they are constructed, and you look at their drafting, like he was a second rounder. Yeah. And so much has been made of the one draft class of Robertson and Heiskanen and, and Ottinger. I mean, that's incredible to get three like that out of, uh, you know, the, the, the same draft class. So, yeah, I mean, when you look at the the sort of foundation of that Dallas team, like, sure, Jamie Benn and uh, Tyler Sagan are, you know, I'm not running them out of the league, but they're on the back nine of their careers, but they've got so much good young talent there. And then, you know, a guy like Logan Stankoven and Kamloops, and you see what he's done the last couple of years in junior hockey, and, you know, he's going to make the jump, and Wyatt Johnson's still a teenager, which is just crazy uh, to think that uh, he's playing a starring role in these playoffs. So, uh, yeah, you know, the Dallas Stars, they don't get a ton of love necessarily, and maybe they're not the flashiest bunch, but uh, they're certainly positioned well now to move past Seattle. And, and look, I, I'm not writing the Kraken off. At home, that fan base, they'll be going nuts at the Climate Pledge. Like, that one may go seven, 
But uh, as I sit here, I certainly I like the Stars' chances of moving to the Western Conference Final. A couple of Game 5s tonight, of course. Uh, the Canadian teams are in action. Uh, Leafs, once again, trying to stave off elimination. They're at home this time against Florida, down 3-1. And then Edmonton and Vegas will lock horns in Sin City. Um, I had the Canes minus a uh, goal and a half as my best bet. Didn't hit that one. I thought it was going to stay the same in terms of, you know, the sort of blowouts throughout the series. Probably should have saw this one coming. Regardless, I think I got one tonight. All right. Austin Matthews, anytime goal score at minus 130. Is there more pressure on anybody to score a goal right now than Austin Matthews in these playoffs? Not that he hasn't scored in these playoffs in this series, though. Yeah. I mean, it feels like he's due. And he did. He had a nice seat. Like, his individual stat line is still pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But... But at least know, a, a lot of haven't been scoring in this series, really. No, and a lot of points in the first round. Scored a bunch of goals against Tampa, but uh, has gone quiet on the goal scoring front. I like that bet. I, I, you're right. Yeah, I mean, uh, it just kind of feels like if there's life left in the Leafs, I think a lot of it's going to have to come from a guy like Austin Matthews. So put it at his feet, and let's see if he uh, is up to the challenge. Yeah, I don't know if I could go with the Leafs winning tonight. Looking at the money line, they're heavily favored again. And it's like, really? Okay. But uh, I do feel good about Austin Matthews scoring tonight. So we'll see how things play out and see if the uh, Leafs can live to play another game. All right, J-Pap. Many thanks to uh, Patrick Johnson for joining us, as always, here on a Friday. This wraps up the week here on the Rinkwide Vancouver oh, but podcast. Before we go, hey, we got to say happy Mother's Day, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. My happy Mother's right Day. Now. Yes. She's been here for a while, hasn't she? She has been, yeah. Yeah, yeah good visit. On, All right. She leaves on Tuesday, which uh, she's a you know she's from Toronto, so she's a Leafs supporter. Perhaps she'll be going home to a game seven. Yeah, I don't know if I'd bet that. We'll, see. well yeah. with the sun is shining, get out there, enjoy the weekend, and a happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there in our rink-wide Vancouver audience. This has been another edition of the Rinkwide Vancouver Podcast presented by Bodog. For Jeff Patterson, I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rinkwide is the show that always goes.